Hi, I'm Zach Stoikoff, and this is the Mental Health Download from the nonprofit Mental Health Association Oklahoma. On today's episode, I will talk with the Downloads host, Matt Gleason, about ways we can cultivate healthy minds through mental health advocacy. Okay, let's get the conversation started. The Mental Health Download starts now. Welcome, everyone, to the Mental Health Download podcast. Our guest today is my friend, Zach Stoikoff, fellow Tulsa World alumni, and he is the executive director of Healthy Minds Policy Initiative, which I am a huge fan of, and so is Mental Health Association Oklahoma. Healthy Minds Policy Initiative is a nonpartisan, dedicated team of policy and mental health experts who collaborate with state and local leaders to develop and advance innovative data-informed policies and capacity-building approaches in the prevention and treatment of mental illness and substance use disorders for Oklahomans. And as many people know, it is funded by the very generous Anne and Henry Zero Foundation. And the initiative launched in 2019. And the work really stems from the 2018 Tulsa Mental Health Study and Plan, which called for a policy-focused initiative to build a culture of convening and problem-solving around mental health. Some of you know that this season on the Mental Health Download, we're focusing on cultivating healthy minds. So, Zach, with that in mind, can you share some of the ways you would encourage people to improve their mental health in 2021? Yeah, well, I'll preface that by saying that I'm not a, a clinician in any sense of the word. I'm a policy person, so don't listen to me on medical advice. But I would say that, you know, right now in general is a perfect time to recognize that so many of us, in fact, perhaps all of us in some shape or form are experiencing something related to our mental health being a little bit out of whack, whether that is stress and anxiety due to the coronavirus, ongoing pandemic, economic hardship. These are things that we've been talking about as an organization for some time, but really it's becoming well known. The data is showing that 40%, if not more of Oklahomans are experiencing stress and anxiety right now. So talking about it, realizing that there is a stigma around this stuff, a stigma that is really unfounded, that if we talk about this, we really can encourage ourselves and others to seek whatever help we might need. And the second part of that question, Zach, is share with us how you would encourage people to help improve mental health, you know, within their families, neighborhoods, their city. I'll go back to the point I just made. It's okay to talk about it. We've got to talk about it with our legislators. We've got to talk about it with our children, our families, our parents, our friends, cousins, aunts, everybody should be talking about and asking each other how we're doing. You know, there are a wealth of resources out there. There are a wealth of individuals locally and hotlines we can call. And just if you need to talk, talking is available. And so from an advocacy standpoint, Matt, we just had a great announcement of about 30 legislators who are forming a new mental health caucus in the legislature because they recognize that with the pandemic happening now and really stretching back years, Oklahoma has been in truly a mental health and addiction crisis. And there are policy and legislative solutions. And so this group of legislators is really willing to convene and talk about best practice solutions. So if you go and you speak with your legislator and they're not part of the caucus, you might encourage them to be part of the caucus or literally just let them know that you are interested in this topic and that they've got constituents who are interested in this topic. Number one, foundationally in advocacy, the number one thing you can do is go and talk with your politicians. Can you give that a short description of what that actually is and why that's such a big deal to have a mental health caucus? 
Sure. So many folks are aware that we've got legislators who run on issues like education, healthcare, taxes. These are legislators who really want to make mental health and addiction a top issue for them and their platforms. So the caucus is really an informal body, but it's a way for them to meet on a regular basis to talk with experts, uh, to talk with our Department of Mental Health, Healthy Minds and other organizations that are really doing research and understand these issues and look at what solutions are available to them. What legislatively can we pursue um, to start getting people, people treatment earlier in their mental health conditions and their addiction to spread words uh, around just the stigma of this issue, even in their constituencies, just giving legislators resources to talk about this and pursue specific solutions. And how would someone find out if their particular legislator was a part of that caucus? That's a really good question, Matt. There is a news release that has been issued on the House of Representatives website. If you go and you search for news releases in the Oklahoma House of Representatives, you can see a list of legislators who are involved. Many of these legislators are already talking about it on social media. You know, the other surefire way to talk about it is just to ask them, ask them if they're part of the caucus or where mental health stands for them as an issue and let them know that it's important to their community. Are there any key stats or anything that you'd like to sort of keep real close at hand to sway a legislator to maybe join that caucus or, you know, just to have a better understanding of mental health? Is there any one stat that really stands out for you? There's a number of stats that stand out for me. And, right. you know, all, all we do at Healthy Minds all day long is look at those stats. <laughs> um, but, but really just to understand how prevalent these things are that 40% of Oklahomans are experiencing stress and anxiety right now is substantial. That one in five Oklahomans has a diagnosable mental illness, that 578,000 Oklahomans have a diagnosable mental illness. But really to get down into, into those weeds a little bit more, Matt, I think it's more about who's not getting the care that they need than who needs care. And there are stats out there around the level of unmet need in Oklahoma by one estimate. There are about 158,000 Oklahoma adults who reported some level of unmet need in the last year of available data, uh, that's 5.5%. And so you can parse those numbers out and look at children and look at adults and look at addiction versus other kinds of mental health conditions. But really, we have a tremendous amount of unmet need. In 2020, Healthy Minds Policy Initiative was such a, a wonderful resource to Mental Health Association Oklahoma and the media and and just the general public because you had these amazing projections about how the pandemic was going to affect our mental health and suicide rates and you know substance use rates and and all of these amazing statistics which really made it all very sobering. It was terrifying to look at those stats and see, you know, what could be. When you look back on 2020 and those stats that you guys were talking about, what's the good news? What's the bad news? Just give us an update. Well, the bad news is, unfortunately, that some of those projections are coming true. We just had a report by the CDC that preliminary numbers are showing a substantial increase in, for example, uh, synthetic opioid-related overdose deaths, really nationwide, but Oklahoma being one of the leading states in that category of potentially the preliminary data show more than 50% increase in overdose deaths as a result of synthetic opioids, such as fentanyl and, and things like that. If you're somebody who struggles with substance use disorder and your ability to um, stay in recovery and seek the care that you need, really exacerbated by this anxiety and stress and economic downturn that we're facing right now, those numbers are, are bearing out, unfortunately. There is room for hope, I would say. You know, we have in Oklahoma, we're very fortunate that we've got a Department of Mental Health and Substance Abuse Services that's very strong, that is doing a lot of good programming 
And they've made um, strides over there to really work within their existing budgets to pull off even more wonderful programming. And we just sat through uh, some great budget presentations by mental health commissioner, uh, Carrie Slatton Hodges, who is talking about, you know, there's a potential to reinvest some savings even in expanded crisis care system in our state and more criminal justice diversion programs with no new dollars associated with that. That's the kind of thing that we can really point to and say we've got an opportunity and, and we can really make some progress. As far as going into this legislative session, money's going to be tight, obviously. What are you anticipating as far as, you know, mental health funding? Is it in peril? Is it going to be protected? What are you hearing? If you talk to legislators right now, uh, you won't hear a single legislator say that anything is off the table budget-wise. They have to fill a budget hole and they've got to find $164 million to fund the state share of Medicaid expansion. So really looking at everything, we are making a strong case, we believe, and we will continue having these conversations with legislators that if we protect the Department of Mental Health's budget at levels that were funded last year, that because of an, a potential for reinvesting some savings, that we really can make progress on this, on this pandemic and the crisis with no additional dollars to the Department of Mental Health. So we are really strongly pushing for that, knowing that we've got years ahead of us of increased childhood mental health conditions, of deaths of despair like overdoses and suicides, of, of really just heightened stress and anxiety lasting long beyond everybody getting a vaccine or whatever it will take to stop the pandemic. The mental health ramifications will continue and this is the opportunity. Yeah. Okay, so we've touched on this through our conversation so far, but I really want people to understand sort of the core issues that make up the Healthy Minds Policy Initiative. For each of them, I'm going to ask you, you know, to sort of share your thoughts about them. So let's start with number one, mental and physical health are inseparable and deserving of the same urgency and dignity in practice, funding and policy. So, you know, tell us about the oftentimes sad reality that mental health still does not receive the same urgency, dignity, and equal funding as physical care and what's being done. Well, you touched on it right there with your question, Matt, a little bit of the answer. You know, the other part of the answer is that we, as a nation, really, and as a civilization, as a world, for a lot of years, for many centuries, treated mental health and the treatment of mental health as a pseudoscience, something that is lesser, something that might be related to a personality defect, all these things that we know scientifically are not true anymore. And so we're catching up on the policy side. However, we've designed treatment systems that separate mental health and other health care conditions. So too many Oklahomans have to go into their primary care physician's office and get no mental health treatment. We have an abundance of mental primary care physicians, but really for a lot of years, those individuals did not receive very much training in mental health um, and addiction issues. And so that has really set us back as a state. And, and I don't mean to just pick on primary care physicians. There are a lot of innovative ones out there in Oklahoma that are looking and in incorporating a lot of innovative practices. But just to make the point that the healthcare system as a whole is fragmented into mental health and other kinds of health, and that underinvestment on the mental health side has also created gaps so that the criminal justice system is a treatment of mental health conditions. And it shouldn't be so that people fall through the cracks into homelessness. And we have all of these other ramifications. So we've really got to not only strengthen the mental health treatment side of this, but the point I'm making is we've got to integrate. We've got to integrate healthcare treatment systems so that mental health is treated in the same preventative way that we treat all other kinds of healthcare conditions at your primary care physician's office, in your hospital, in your urgent care centers, everywhere you go for healthcare, you should have access to 
screening and treatment for mental health conditions. And Matt, it's a very sad statistic that a substantial number of people who die by suicide in this country had actually seen a primary care physician in the last month of their life. We have a problem and integrating those two systems is a way to solve it. I'm going to just read the number two belief because you've already, you just talked about it, but that's prevention and early intervention investments are crucial. Oklahomans deserve access to high quality, accessible mental health treatment and support well before a life altering crisis. Amen to that. Number three is mental health resources should be used efficiently, effectively, and with accountability for outcomes and costs. So, you know, Zach, you're at an interesting position because you're a former Tulsa World journalist trained to put a face to the issue, you know, those human interest stories. And now you're executive director of this amazing initiative with mountains of data at your fingertips. So tell me some of the ways that you weave those two together to make the greatest impact, you know, with legislators, with the general public, with the media, and how important the human side of the issue is to the data side and vice versa. Sure. Well, it's a really good question. And I'll start by addressing those two core beliefs that you mentioned. One really being this earlier detection of mental health, as you know, Matt, that there are there are data points out there showing, for example, an individual with bipolar disorder, it takes an average of six years from onset of illness to detection and treatment. Six years. And if we if we were talking about cancer, we would all be outraged at that statistic. And that's a symptom of not being able to catch these things early enough in these systems and places that people go for healthcare treatment. That's a symptom of stigma. That's a symptom of a lot of things that we've got to continue to address. And I really, I really want to address this belief about um, accountability and costs with mental health and with mental health treatment, because it's a core belief of our organization and something that I strive for personally. We're numbers people. So we want to look at the budget and we want to look at where those tax dollars are going uh, because we know those resources are limited. And so one of our landmark pieces of legislation this year is really looking at calling for a unified strategic plan around how the state of Oklahoma spends mental health dollars and really looking at all of the pockets of spending that occur from DHS to DOC, all of these people who are doing good work, you know, in mental health, but we really want to look at where that's going and we want to strategize around how do you link toward specific goals that unify all of these efforts. And so that's something that we're working on. And we believe we've seen results in other states that that can actually result in increased funding, more targeted funding, more transparency. And so we're looking at that. Let's talk about the human side of things, you know, putting a face to the issue. You know, when you're talking in public or with legislators or things like that, is there a story about someone you know or a story that you've heard about an organization serving that you kind of go to to say, look, this is what it all comes down to is, you know, we're saving lives. We're changing lives. I always go back to Virginia Holloman. So Virginia is a woman who's involved with helping parents, helping parents. It's a parent support group for teens who have addiction concerns. And so Virginia has a legal background, but had an issue where she was working with her insurance company to try to get her son addiction treatment. And this was a, a boy who was, by all accounts, a regular boy, is a regular boy, but had some, had some struggles. And push come to shove, she realized, I might lose my son if I don't get treatment. And so she's, she read her insurance policy and she saw that addiction treatment is covered, that substance use disorder is covered. So she went and she tried to find treatment and ultimately her claim was denied and she was saddled with multiple tens of thousands of dollars in debt trying to find her son life-saving treatment. And um, she started going down a rabbit hole that we like to call parity. And a short term is that people with mental health conditions uh, really can't be given any additional restrictions on their care. 
So Virginia's story is a real life example of something that Oklahomans deal with every day that thousands of Oklahomans have dealt with every day. How do I get treatment? How do I get treatment when treatment is available, but somehow the resources aren't aligning to my need? And so because of Virginia's story, we were able to pass landmark parity legislation in Oklahoma last year, uh, Senate Bill 1718, that really required insurance companies to report on how they're complying with existing federal law and make sure that they actually are, because parity is a federal law. And the data showed we were not taking advantage of that federal law. Oklahomans were not getting the benefits of that federal law because there was no oversight in really enforcing that law. And so Virginia's story translated to a policy argument uh, right away. All right. So as we sort of wind down here, I want you to tell me how people can get involved with the Healthy Minds Policy Initiative and where they can find you on social media, the web, everything. Sure. They can go to healthymindspolicy.org and we post uh, a number of original resources there. We've got a data dashboard. We post in our newsroom news stories of important information happening in the world of mental health in Oklahoma. We don't yet have a social media presence. And I'll say that, Matt, we are forming that this year. So Healthy Minds is still about a year and a half old and getting our feet under us. And so 2021, look for a social media presence for Healthy Minds. If you do want to get involved with Mental Health Association Oklahoma's advocacy, you can go online to mhaok.org forward slash advocate, and that's where you can sign up for advocacy alerts and find who your legislator is and all sorts of resources. So last question, Zach, I want to thank you again for being on the show. And, you know, as is tradition here on the Mental Health Download, our guest gets to close us out with their final thoughts, you know, their final bit of wisdom. So, Zach, if you can do that, we'll be done. You know, uh, I get asked a lot on what are the three or four things we should focus on a mental health policy in Oklahoma. Matt, I might want to close this out on that. Really, we're talking about getting people the help they need earlier on where it's less costly on the system, where they have the opportunity to live their best life and contribute to society in their, in their unique way. And so really what we have to do is figure out how to widen that door. We need to figure out how to get more Oklahomans care and access the existing systems that we have in Oklahoma. We've got to integrate those systems so that mental health is not treated separately. We've got to coordinate school-based services. Matt, this is a big issue right now with the pandemic. Children's mental health is becoming a, a real crisis in Oklahoma and it will be for many years. And we've really got to start looking at stigma. We've got to start looking at how do we bring these issues out and talk about them in policy settings, talk about them in our neighborhoods and communities in ways that really show how normal and common this is we all have health conditions and we talk about it all the time. Mental health is the same thing as the fact that I perhaps stubbed my toe. I will be ashamed to admit earlier today, okay? I am not ashamed to tell you that I stubbed my toe, nor am I ashamed to tell you that I have had anxiety during the pandemic as many of us have. So it's really just talking about that in every situation that we can.